This week on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Contrary to the myth in our culture that we're separated individual, uh, aggressive, competitive creatures, we're actually wired for empathy, wired for connection, wired for love, wired for compassion. I'm Neil Harvey. Please join us for Inner Resilience with Dr. Gabor Mate on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. In nature, said the iconic naturalist John Muir, everything is hitched to everything else. Yet we've organized our societies and our thinking in compartments as though we were not connected in the real world or inside ourselves. These kinds of connections are especially apparent in issues of human health. How could we think that our human health is not connected to the health of our environment? But how do you define the environment? The field of mind-body medicine has repeatedly demonstrated how our emotional and psychological states can have profound influences on our physical health, both negative and positive. And as intensely social creatures, we're also deeply affected by our social environments. In this program, the visionary physician Dr. Gabor Mate explores the deepest psychological, emotional, and social forces at work that are leading to our society's poor health and unhappiness. And he says we have the capacity to heal both ourselves and our planet. This is Inner Resilience, back to our true nature. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. The Buddha said 2,500 years ago, he talked about the interconnection of everything, the, what he called the interconnected core rising, interdependent core rising of phenomena. So he said, look at a raindrop. It doesn't just contain itself. You can't just understand it as an isolated entity. In fact, it contains the sky. Look at a leaf. It contains the sky in terms of the irrigation. It contains the earth in terms of the materials that go into it, and the sun in terms of the light that's needed to make it grow. And he said that the birth and death of any phenomena are connected to the birth and death of all other phenomena. The one contains the many, and the many contains the one. Without the one, there cannot be the many. Without the many, there cannot be the one. Dr. Gabor Mate is a Hungarian-born Canadian physician. His holistic approach seeks to understand the broader social, cultural, and spiritual contexts in which human disease and disorders arise. His internationally best-selling books include In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, Close Encounters with Addiction, and Scattered Minds, A New Look at the Origins and Healing of Attention Deficit Disorder. Dr. Mate points to the sorry state of public health as a blaring distress signal that something is terribly wrong. When we look around this society and from the perspective of health, what do we see? We see that 50% of adults in this society, which considers itself the most successful society in the history of the world, actually suffers of some chronic illness, heart disease, high blood pressure, cancer, autoimmune disease, whatever it happens to be. 50% of adolescents today are enough set to meet the diagnostic criteria for one or another mental health condition. 
Dr. Mate reports that there are three and a half million children in the U.S. who are receiving stimulant medications for ADHD. Half a million children are on antipsychotic medications, not because they have psychosis, but because they are upset and their behaviors are problematic. He sees this as a massive, dangerous experiment. Clearly, we're in a public health crisis. Dr. Mate believes that the root problem is that society's values are upside down. So when I talk about the toxic culture that a materialistic society offers its members, what am I referring to? Well, materialism is really uh, a system of, of belief or, or behavior which considers material things, and particularly the control and possession of material things, is more important than human values, such as connection, love, or spiritual values, such as recognizing the unity of everything. And that's the kind of culture we live in. And that means that the culture itself, quite apart from the physical toxins that we spew into the environment, and the way in which we're altering the very air that we breathe and the very sun that shines on us, we actually are affected also by the toxicity of human relationships or the lack of human relationships that this kind of a society that emphasizes material values teaches us to pursue. And from that perspective, we have to understand that medicine is not simply a science. It's much more than that. It's also an ideology. It's also an ideology. It's a way of looking at human beings. So when we look at human beings as individuals without understanding the importance of their social relationships and their emotional, psychological interactions with others, that's actually a manifestation of the individualistic perspective of the entrepreneur who says that only I matter and what I gain or what I control matters, and we're all in competition with one another. So you see that economic ideological perspective also showing up in its own particular way in the practice of medicine. Well, reality is totally different. Reality tells us that we can't be separated, and this begins already in pregnancy. So a study out of Johns Hopkins University in 2004, for example, showed that the reactivity to stress of the fetus is affected by the stress, depression, or anxiety of the mother. So when you look at the heartbeat and the movement of infants in the womb, whose mothers are stressed, depressed, or, or anxious, you see different patterns of activity, and that will have lifetime effects. The studies reflect, this, this paper says, growing evidence that stress and depression can have early and lasting effects on the child's life, including increased behavior problems, including learning problems. And we also know that if you stress pregnant animals in the laboratory, their children will be more likely to use drugs as a way of soothe themselves once they've grown up. So this mind-body unity and this interaction of the environment and the individual begins already in the womb. And therefore, how we treat pregnant women, how we provide an environment that's either supportive or, or possibly stressful, has a huge impact on the long-term development of their yet unborn offspring. And this, of course, happens during infancy as well, because that's a crucial period of brain development. As examples of the complex brew of physical, social, and emotional environments that lead to illness, Dr. Gabor Mate points to two key examples. First, children whose parents are stressed 
have more asthma. Second, a study found that if a woman was both stressed and emotionally isolated, the risk of cancer was nine times higher than if she were only stressed or only isolated. Needless to say, economic hardship and poverty are extreme stressors, as well as sources of environmental injustice, such as severe toxic hotspots. A study a little while ago showed that when women who are pregnant breathe in polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, their children are more likely to have behavior problems by school age. So we think this is simply a physically environmental problem. No, it isn't. It's also a socioeconomic one since it's poor women who tend to live in more polluted areas. And therefore, the medical scientists who did the study at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York said, this is really a paper about social justice. Poor people have more exposure to these things on all accounts, whether bad air or psychosocial stress and other things. That's a societal problem, and the changes are not going to be on an individual level. They're going to be on a societal level. You can't separate individuals from an environment. A report out of Harvard earlier this year talked about the impact of toxic stress on children. And these children who experienced toxic stress because the environment was stressed, because their parents were highly stressed, or dysfunctional, or abusive, later on in life, they have a significantly increased risk of heart disease, obesity, diabetes mellitus, high blood pressure, and a whole list of other medical conditions. Not only that, how does an infant and a young child adjust to stress? Well, by certain coping mechanisms. If you're very stressed, but you're helpless in the face of the stress, and you can't escape it or to change it, one of the ways you respond is by tuning it out, by dissociating, by throwing your mind somewhere else so you don't have to suffer the discomfort and distress of the pressures that the environment is placing upon you. But if you're doing that when you're one or two years old and your brain is developing, then tuning out becomes wired into your brain. And guess what? Eight years later, they're going to diagnose you with ADHD and give you medications. And if you're looking at the preponderance of all these childhood conditions that are just burgeoning in our society, autism, Asperger's, ADHD, oppositional defined disorder, a whole range of childhood disorders, what are we seeing? Not genetic problems, not individual problems, but the effects of a highly stressed environment on parents which are then passed on to their children despite the parents' love and despite the parents' best efforts. Well, where does that leave us? It leaves us, first of all, looking at the economic issues. And what we know is that growing up in a low socioeconomic background can actually impair the working memory and the size of different parts of the brain of the adult. So poverty in this country is far from simply an economic question. It's also a question of human development and what kind of consequences that'll have on people's behavior, capacity to respond to stress, and therefore, to get ahead in a society in which getting ahead is the highest value. And if you don't get ahead, you're left behind. Dr. Mate observes that as a society, we're inflicting deep, lifelong wounds on generations of children, wounds that bring great costs both in human suffering and money. Similarly, children who are stressed early will have problems with impulse regulation later on. Impulse regulation means that their capacity to anticipate consequences and to respond calmly to the environment is impaired. And that means they're also going to be at a greater risk of addiction. Now, if you look at addictions, what are we looking at? We're actually looking at two factors. We're looking at, number one, 
the desperation to escape from the pain and distress that the child has experienced early on in life, which then become programmed into his personality and his heart and his brain. And how do you escape? Well, one way to escape is through addictive behaviors, whether that be drugs or the internet or sex or food or shopping or whatever else. And number two, since, as I've already mentioned, brain development early in life is affected by the environment, people who are traumatized early in life, especially those that are traumatized, their brain development is impaired and that their brain circuits and neurotransmitters and the chemicals in their brain are actually at a disadvantage. So when they do the drugs, they feel complete and whole and feel good for the first time in their lives. Their addiction is not a matter of choice. It's a matter of a coping mechanism that is a response to early stress. Now, if you look at what stress is, it's not just a psychological event. I've already alluded to it. It's a physical event. It sets off a cascade of hormones, particularly cortisol and adrenaline in your body, which in the short term, again, help you escape or to fight back, but in the long term, damage your heart, your nervous system, your intestines, and suppress your immune system, which then makes you more prone for all kinds of diseases, naturally. The clear through line in all these tragedies is stress. So what do we know about stress? If you look at what actually triggers stress, the significant factors that trigger stress are uncertainty, lack of information, and loss of control. If you look at rats, and you hook two pairs of rats together, or two rats together, yoke them together, and you attach an electrode to their tails, and you shock them with electricity, they will have physiological stress. But if one rat has a paw open that can shut off the lever that delivers that stress, that electrical shock, even though both rats get the same electrical jolt for the same period of time, the rat with the paw free will have less stress hormones in their body because they have some control. Now what happens in a culture where the economy is going on a tube, where decisions are made far away by people who don't even know you and you don't know who they are, and your life is very much affected by these large forces over which you have increasingly a sense that you have no control or even influence over, well, that means a lot of people are going to be stressed. A lot of uncertainty. A lot of people are going to be stressed. And that stress then will lead to addictive behaviors. That stress then will lead to parents passing that stress on to their children. Childhood stress is something Dr. Gabor Mate knows about intimately. His personal story when we return. This is Inner Resilience, Back to Our True Nature. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. To explore all available Bioneers radio shows and video programming, 
please visit media.bioneers.org. Dr. Gabor Mate was born in Nazi-occupied Hungary in 1944. He recently returned there on a book tour. The apartment where I was staying at was two blocks away from a house in Budapest, a few blocks away from the Danube River. On the banks of the Danube, there's a memorial to Jews that were shot into the river by the Hungarian fascists in 1944. It's a group of empty shoes, bronzed shoes, that are just glued to the bank of the river. It's a very eloquent, completely signless memorial that speaks very loudly for the experience that it commemorates. A few blocks away from there is a house which uh, used to be a glass factory in the 1930s, so it's called the Glass House, where my mother and I lived under very precarious Swiss protection with, along with a thousand other Jews in 1944. And it was precarious because even there the fascists would come and kill people and there was starvation, mass disease and all the conditions you can imagine in a city under siege, in a ghetto under Nazi occupation. And I visited that house and uh, there's actually a little museum in there with my name in there as being one of the survivors of that house. So I know what my trauma was. It, it was that horrendous first year of my life under conditions when my mother could barely ensure my survival. In fact, the only way she did was to give me to a stranger, a Christian woman in the street one day and, and said, please take this baby away. So I didn't see her for weeks. And prior to that, she was a stressed, depressed, grief-stricken, anxious, terrorized mother. She could not have met my needs, obviously, under those circumstances, barely being able to assure our survival. So that's what I trace most of my issues back to, was that very difficult first year of my life, which, of course, had then had a huge impact on my own development. Is it possible to overcome these kinds of childhood traumas? Dr. Mate says emphatically, yes. We live in a system that generates all these pressures, all these stresses, and in a system like this, we can intervene. There's still a lot we could do, but we need to be fully aware. So if we're fully aware of the impact of early experience on brain development, personality development, and later function or dysfunction, and if we understood the actual physical costs of that, the psychological costs, the health costs, and the financial costs, then, as a society, we would put money into proper prenatal care for everybody. Proper prenatal care, not just physical care. I mean, this country, in some areas, has got perinatal outcomes that would not be unusual by third world standards. And we're talking about a country that considers itself the richest country in the world and which uses up a lot of the world's resources but we can't ensure that children have a proper environment to be born into. I mean, what does that say? So, if we understood the implications of all that, we provide good prenatal support, good perinatal care, support for mothers and fathers to be with their children. There are some countries that provide paternity leave. The United States does not even provide maternity leave. Six weeks, I understand, is the, is the average in this country. The child needs that mother to be around for at least a year and a half, two years. And I'd go beyond that. When I say the mother, a mothering parent, a nurturing, mothering adult in a child's life. So if we understood the implications of all this, there's much we could do, even in this system, to intervene uh, upstream 
to prevent all these problems downstream. Dr. Mate suggests that our stress comes from several forms of alienation, starting with our disconnection from nature. And we can see what happens to kids when you put them back in touch with nature, how they blossom, how they actually come alive, how vital they become. You know, once they've given up their cell phones for a while and all that, you know, and uh, when you actually think about human evolution, it took place in nature. Civilization, which is to say the movement of people into cities, is a very recent phenomenon in human evolution. I mean, if you think of millions of years of evolution that got us to this point, we talked about the evolution of the human species itself, a few tens of thousands of years, for almost all that time, until really a blink of an eyelash, a couple of thousand years of history, we were completely connected with nature. And that connection is what allowed us to survive. So it goes contrary to our nature to be disconnected from nature. And you can't violate your own true nature without being hurt by that violation. Next comes our alienation from other people. Today we have less intimacy, less trust, and less direct human relationship altogether, exacerbated by digital technology and virtual friendships. Dr. Mate also sees widespread estrangement from our daily work. A lot of people no longer do work that has any meaning to them. And since human beings are productive creatures, we really are created in the image of God. We're meant to create. When we do work that's not creative, that doesn't reflect who we are, that imposes depression, anxiety, a sense of meaninglessness. And when we have a sense of meaninglessness, we'll want to substitute that sense of meaninglessness or that sense of meaning that we've lost by all kinds of other activities. And then we get all hung up on how we look or how people feel about us, what we can obtain, what we can possess, what successes we can achieve. In other words, all the false substitutes which cannot possibly compensate us for the lack of genuine meaning. And of course, what this society does, it sells us a lot of products that substitute for that loss of meaning. In fact, much of the economy is based on a loss of meaning in our culture. And then we become alienated from ourselves, we shut down our gut feelings, and our gut feelings are not luxuries, you know. They tell us what is right and what is wrong. They tell us what is dangerous and what is friendly. They tell us what is safe and what is dangerous. And they tell us what is true and what is false. So when we're alienated from our gut feelings, we have no longer have a sense of reality, no longer a sense of truth. Well, the good news is, the good news is that human beings can regain their sense of connection to themselves, just as we can regain our sense of connection to our nature. As one way to regain connection to ourselves, Dr. Mate recommends and uses mindfulness practices such as meditation. It really is a matter of consciousness, of, of, of how aware we are, of how connected we are to ourselves. And uh, again, for me, when I can stay connected to myself, when I have the practice, which in my case must include some mindful awareness practice, and when I don't do that for a while, uh, everything starts going downhill. When I maintain it, I can stay much more resilient. So it takes practice, it takes daily effort, it takes, it takes uh, attention. And as long as we give that to ourselves, because again, that goes back to what we said in the beginning. What children need is attuned attention. That's what adults also need. In this case, we can give it to ourselves. And when we don't, we're like a lost child. And I can certainly get that way. 
Others may find uh, mindfulness practice to connect them with nature. Some people might find it to yoga, um, the art of Japanese flower arrangement, I don't know, w whatever it takes, but some, something that keeps you connected to yourself. In other words, you can't just keep doing the daily grind and having all the focus on the outside and not expect to get burned out. Well, the good news is that we can regain a connection to ourselves. And um, empathy, which is a genuine human quality, is in us. We're actually wired for empathy. That's our nature as human beings. So contrary to the myth in our culture that we're separated individual, aggressive, competitive creatures, we're actually wired for empathy, wired for connection, wired for love, wired for compassion. So really, to move forward, all we have to do... All we have to do, not an easy task, but it's certainly available to us, is to get back to our true nature. Thank you. Dr. Gabor Mate, Inner Resilience, Back to Our True Nature. You can explore more Bioneers radio shows and video programming online at media.bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management and station relations, Kate Hunter. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Jamie Sieber at jamiesieber.com. That's J-A-M-I-S-I-E-B-E-R dot com. For more music information, please visit media.bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 1113. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and family-owned since 1988. Visit organicvalley.coop. Mary's Gone Crackers, healing the planet through conscious eating, gluten-free and vegan products since 1999, Learn more at marysgonecrackers.com. John Masters Organics. Feel good about looking good. Visit johnmasters.com. Funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, and by the generous support of listeners like you.